Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to Live Dharma Sunday. If you have called in to listen to this morning's broadcast, please note that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are joining us from either the Bright Dawn name site or the Blog Talk Radio site, please note that it is not necessary to call in. If you are experiencing loss of audio or the Blog Talk Radio player is not working properly, please refresh your page and hit the play button once more. It may take a few moments for your browser to complete the buffering process. Once again, welcome to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the broadcast. Welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for February 18th, 2018. Koyo Kubose here, so very, very glad you join us. I'm sure it's pretty chilly where most of us are, but as the coming of spring is coming right around the corner. Well, yesterday, Adrian and I took a real day trip to Yosemite National Park which is about an hour or so north of us, straight up Highway 41. Our son Tate and his wife Bailey and um, nine-year-old daughter Brooke and her friend uh, from the Bay Area, San Jose area, they went up for the weekend and stayed in a tent cabin in Curry Village. Um, what is now called Half Dome Village. So they asked us if we wanted to join them. So we drove up, uh, left early in the morning and uh, had breakfast with them in the lodge there. And we hiked over to Yosemite Falls, the iconic 240 foot, <laughs> I think that's one of the uh, far, you know, tallest waterfalls um, and they have a lower falls and the upper falls and and you can get right near the uh, the foot of it and uh, it was a really nice trip and of course driving into Yosemite you had the nice view of the uh, half dome uh, and also go right by the bottom as you drive by the El Capitan which is the largest, they call it the largest granite monolith. I guess monolith means solid piece of rock, you know, one solid piece of rock. It's huge. Um, words don't do justice, of course, to either that or to the the park itself, the sheer cliffs that just, you know, are around you. Uh, words 
you have to see it. You, you know it's great. You've seen it before, but then when you see it, you see it, and in that moment, you uh, it just kind of vibrates and resonates in you and uh, about the beauty, natural beauty of this place. And whenever I see El Capitan, you know, the largest granite monolith, man, that is a Dharma rock. <laughs> largest Dharma rock in the whole world. <laughs> and it, <laughs> that's really neat. The Dharma is my rock. And being outdoors is so therapeutic. I can't stress that enough for anybody uh, to get out into nature. It could just be, you know, just appreciating on the way to the store or something, look up at the sky or any trees you see. Um, uh, Or if a friend has some problems or just feeling down, whatever, uh, and they reach out to you uh, so well let's have lunch together do it in the park Say, hey let's go sit on a bench in a park or uh, you know or if you're not even getting together with them you say hey make sure you go outside someplace you see the great big outdoors um, it puts into perspective about one's own life. It takes you out of yourself. Uh, It really promotes (laughs) what in Japanese is called takkan. T-A-K-K-A-N. I just learned this word maybe on a, well, a decade, I suppose, sounds like (laughs) 10 long years, but uh, it seems recent to me. It was in one of... um, my father's, uh, you know, after he wrote the Everyday Suchness in the 60s when it was printed, first published, uh, at that time, there was still a lot of Issei or um, first-generation uh, Japanese immigrants that came, and, you know, uh, Japanese is their native language, and uh, the Buddhist temples served that generation, okay, their children were Nisei or the second generation. And my that's my parents, and so I'm, and Adrian and I are third generation. Okay, and our children are fourth generation. Japanese Americans are the only, I think, only ethnic group that really, for some reason, keeps track of generation. They they count them for when we came to America. But anyway, since the at that time in the in the sixties when still a large uh, percentage of the Buddhist congregation was older folks. Some of them said, well, everyday substance is so uh, uh, good teachings for in, in English. And it was a collection of um, articles that my father had written for their monthly bulletin. That was, you know, those were compiled and chosen um, and by the by, well, by Bill Gilbert, who was the president of the ABA or American Buddhist Association, quite active uh, group, primarily of Caucasians, not limited to Caucasians, but 
you know, like they say, uh, well, one of my Dharma colleagues uh, uh, in BCA or Buddhist Churches of America, uh, many, many temples, and and I think when he was uh, assigned to Buddhist Temple of Cleveland, and they had an active Zen Shin Sangha, primarily of Caucasians, and and of course they also had their their ethnic Japanese Americans there sort of two discrete groups. And and Reverend Ogui says, yeah, I have to be a liar. I, I say different things to these two different groups. When I'm with the, uh, talking to the ethnic Japanese and Japanese Americans, I say, hey, look at that group over there, okay? Uh, they're so sincere and they want to learn the Dharma, okay? You guys should... Uh, be more, you know, kanshin in Japanese, more sincere, more, you know. And then when he goes to the Zen Shin Sangha, the primarily the Caucasian group, he says, say, you know, you guys are doing good and everything, but look at those people over there. They're working in the kitchen. They're cleaning up the place. Why don't you not just intellectually study the teachings? Why don't you do some dana, some, you know, giving, some charity, <laughs> and so forth. So, <laughs> that's uh, kind of interesting. Anyway, um, so that uh, American Buddhist Association, and they took the lead in compiling the Everyday Suchness articles. And then some of the Issei afterwards, they said, oh, that's, you know, that's been very valuable, good teachings. So they chose some articles because in those days, our, every, a lot of temple bulletins they had English and Japanese section, okay, because that's the, that was the makeup of their congregation. And um, his Japanese articles was not just a translation of the English one for that particular issue, but he wrote in, uh, you know, his own articles in Japanese in a monthly bulletin. So some of those were compiled and printed up in a book written in Japanese, okay. Uh, soto i soto. What was the title of it in Japanese? Soto i nanika. Our translation was something from the inside out. We live our lives from the inside out, you know, internally, internal world, something like that. It was a collection of articles, and one I can't read it, of course. But then I remember that there was a family friend in Japan who wanted to translate that and make it available in Japan um, and was asking me about this word in this particular page on this book and he was talking about what's the translation of Takan and um, so I asked some you know ministers from Japan colleagues of mine and, and I, that's where I learned that word and then I when I wrote back to that person in Japan, she says, yeah, that's right, that's right. Takan is the gateway to Satori. <laughs> you know, um, it means wide perspective. Wide in the sense of broad, of philosophical perspective on life, on one's own life, one's place in the world. Huh? Uh, and that's what outdoors will do for you. Okay? 
give a little perspective of what you think is so important and you, you get caught up in a dualistic one end of the opposite of of the dichotomous opposites in some dimension of good or bad or fair, unfair or something. And if you back up, you know, just wow. You see, it's really, I emphasize enough how therapeutic that is. Okay. So even though, of course, when you, and of course you don't have to go out to the great outdoors when you're feeling bad, <laughs> you just go and it's a plus. So how I, 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 I better stop my rah rah there. Um, I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma guest. Great pleasure for me to introduce Gio Sayosepin. Um, Gio is his uh, given name, and Sayo is is his Dharma name that I gave him. Uh, and Sepin is he was uh, from either Tibetan or Theravadan teachers. His, his Buddhist name from that tradition. But he was part of our LM3 group, um, and he's been a very, uh, my right-hand man in terms of helping with the Bright Town Center. And he organizes the, you know, Adrian used to, in the earlier days, Adrian used to be in charge of organizing the Dharma Glimpses for Live Dharma Sunday, contacting people and scheduling everything. And, uh, uh, Sayo is he, he lives in uh, near Lake uh, Gregory, at about a 5,000 foot elevation in the San Bernardino Mountains, and uh, he moved there. Oh, maybe it's been over five years ago that he, before he was in Orlando, Florida, but he's been over in the uh, West Coast now, and he he, uh, he comes every uh, when we do induction, and he helps with the setup. That is so nice. Relieves both Adrian and I of a lot of responsibilities of the busy work of the necessary nitty-gritty work in our events and programs. So we're so fortunate. Okay, Just the other day, Adrian was saying, yeah, I feel a big weight lifted off my shoulders having to schedule and, you know, get all the people lined up for Dharma glimpses for Live Dharma Sunday. So, well... Ironically, he's going to give. He's up for giving his Dharma glimpse. So, Sayo Sensei, I'm very honored to be able to share a Dharma glimpse today, and the reason is it's my birthday. Uh, today I turn the big four zero, and I'm very excited about it. Um, it felt like it's been a countdown to forty. Uh, especially the last few weeks, you know. Uh, the funny thing is my mother just recently turned 60, so we're about 20 years apart, and we both had these big celebrations. Uh, I'm just very excited to be alive and to be able to share a little bit of uh, wisdom or a nugget of wisdom. And what I've come to realize is that at 40, I am full of BS. Now... <laughs> Not what you're thinking, not that kind of BS. Um, I'm talking about body strength. So I use this sometimes as a reminder to myself to be full of BS, but in a positive way. So what does this mean, body strength? Well, we know the word body sattva, right? We know the word bodhicitta, enlightened mind. 
and we know the Bodhi tree. So when I think about Bodhi, what does it mean? You know, is it enlightenment? Is it to be free from suffering? And to me, Bodhi is life itself. It's everything. It's this universal life, everything that I find myself in. Whether, you know, beyond the good, the bad, the ugly, all that stuff, that is Bodhi. And I am full of it. <laughs> full of this Bodhi strength. And, you know, the, wor the reason I added the word strength also is because Bodhi sort of really gives me this strength. You know, this enlightenment, this wisdom, this light always gives me strength. So when I'm starting to kind of feel maybe a little bit down or things aren't going my way, remind yourself you're full of BS. And some people say, well, why don't you just say Bodhi strength? Well, it doesn't have that caliber, you know. Uh, when you tell someone you're full of BS, immediately they're like, oh, I know what you say, you know. So if to me it has that sort of, like I said, that caliber, that instant, oh, BS, remind yourself, you're full of Bodhi strength. And, you know, Bodhi is the Dharma. You know, something I read every day is, the Dharma is my rock. That is my rock, my strength. It's what keeps me going. Uh, I look at this Bodhi strength as my tether, you know, back to the oneness of life. So it's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a, a playful way for me to remind myself, hey, come back to your Bodhi strength. Remember, you're full of BS. You know, so BS is my core, my light. Uh, so I, I'm sure some people will find it funny, you know, uh, hearing someone talk about being full of BS and being happy about it. But again, this is my Bodhi strength. You know, this is what keeps me going, what keeps me happy, uh, what allows me to go through those tough times. I remind myself that I'm full of BS. And then there's a sense of gratitude. I realize, wow. How lucky am I that in this life I've encountered a great teacher, a great friend, a great spiritual friend, who has shared with me many things, uh, who have had the blessing to plant some garlic. And <laughs> when I look at these things, this is all my Bodhi strength. And I'm very thankful, you know. Uh, every year on my birthday, I always take time to think about it, to think about life. Uh, but ultimately to really look deep and develop that compassion and realize just how lucky I really am, you know, and how blessed I am to have a, a wonderful family, wonderful friends. Uh, you know, again, it's because I'm full of BS. So these uh, these were the things that I was contemplating on my birthday and very happy to be turning 40 uh, full of BS. So uh, thank you for letting me share. And uh, hopefully everybody will find their own body strength. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of personal associations that I have with those kinds of acronyms and whatnot. And to me, they're very personal uh, teachings, you know, very warm, very, very, uh, alive and i hope you don't mind if i share that them it contains a little bit of uh swear words i, I suppose uh which is for educational purposes so uh be forewarned um uh, i use it for uh, to quote other people not just 
that I want to talk that way, okay? But um, BS uh, <laughs> uh, is also stands in, edu- in educational circles for a Bachelor of Science. Uh, a lot of uh, people, you know, engineers or whatever that, you know, the very basic degree is they, they graduate with a BS. Um, other people in liberal arts, history, English, whatever, they get a BA, Bachelor of Arts. But Bachelor of Science, those are in, that are in the sciences, they get the BS degree. You know, they got a lot of hard knowledge. Um, and also there's a little dig in terms of academic, intellectual uh, uh, knowledge. You go to college, you're educated, and uh, uh, some people might feel that they're better than others that didn't go to college or uh, just because you could think a little bit and talk good. Um, it gets, there's a little arrogance there. And so you have to be reminded about the humility, okay, not to compare with others and so forth. And this is where, you know, BS stands for, well, the other meaning of BS, not just Bachelor of Science. And then there's a joke I heard that I really love. See, if if after you get a BS degree, then you go a couple more years and you get the MS, which is a Master of Science. And then some people, they go on to get a PhD, you know, uh, Doctor of Philosophy, and then they they are, you know, well, uh, that's the academic uh, honorific of Dr. So-and-so, you know, not medical doctor or physician, but but uh, he's become a, maybe a researcher or a university professor. Uh, and so to keep us humble about that, say, well, hey, you know, you, you got BS in the sense of bull, bull S. Then if you go on and get more learning and everything, you got MS, more S. And then if you go on to get a PhD, PhD, it's piled high and deep. I get a kick out of that. And then there's a neat uh, story about, it's written by, I read it in a book by Fritz Perls, who was a, uh, Gestalt therapist and leader of uh, one of the leaders in humanistic psychology and you know human potential and everything. And one of his uh, pet teachings was, don't use language and words to prevent you from authentic human relationships and communication. Sometimes we use language, you know, usually unknowingly. People use language to insulate themselves um, from just being down-to-earth human beings together. Okay? So it's a, a, a warning against over-intellectualization. Okay? Don't, have, don't, don't overreact and say, oh, intellect is bad. You know, no, academic is not bad. Okay? But it could be uh, you know, 
go beyond the tool, you get, you get over-attached to a valuable tool, and then it becomes your master, and it becomes distorted and everything. So anyway, he had a three-part description of how we use language to to avoid authentic human interaction and relationships. And the first level, he goes into deepening levels. The first superficial level, but that shows us is what he calls chicken shit. And this is the chit chat that you say uh, when you say, for example, you meet somebody and say, hey, how are you? How you doing? You, you don't really want to know how that person's doing. That's just, you know, social chit chat. Okay. Uh, you know, every time you meet someone, you should make an authentic, valuable, impactful interaction. Okay. You see your coworkers, hey, hey how's it going, man? You know. Uh, it's just chicken shit, okay? Uh, maybe it has some, you know, social lubrication value and everything, but, okay, instead of not saying anything, okay? But anyway, he says, okay, be aware about that chicken shit. And then there's bigger shit. It's be, be the BS, the bullshit. And that stands for, as you know, it stands for excuses, rationalizations, you know? You make up stories about things, Ah oh, man, that BS. Huh? That's not the truth. You're just, you know, rationalizing and telling a story that's, you know, evasive or something like that. And then here's the here's the capper, the unique contribution of this three part model. Is that there's even bigger shit. He calls it elephant shit. This <laughs> this is what he calls educated academic people are really prone to this. They use they, they they use over psychologizing terminology, philosophical terminology. There, that's that's the <laughs> PhD, pile high and deep. Okay, come on, just talk direct. Give somebody a hug. Don't don't wax eloquently with abstract emptiness, man. You that you'd be full of elephants yet, and <laughs> you don't even know it. Okay. Uh, but it is a turnoff if you, if it goes to the extreme and you get these, you know, <laughs> ivy towered, whatever. Um, so whenever I hear about BS and things, I think there's all these kind of teachings there, you know. And the key is that all that shit, if you're aware of it, it could be a source of a, a bodhi seed for valuable teachings, huh? And this is where BM is fertilizer too. That's the key, one of the key insights of Buddhist teachings. That BM is fertilizer too. To know to know the knack of how to compost. How to see that obstacles and negative ex- experiences and events hold the seeds, bodhi seeds of Great insights and great teachings. Uh, so BM, Buddha movement, fertilizer too. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going. <laughs> you know, I got to go. I got to go. Keep going. You know, keep producing fertilizer. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you.